Welcome to Film Juice. Uh, this is John. Yo. And Michael Blasada. Howdy, howdy. Did I say it right? Uh, still no, but that's all right. Blasada. There you go. Blasada. Howdy, gent. Howdy, everyone. And me, Mike. And we're going to talk about a little, little, I, I keep, I think, I feel like I say that a lot. Like, I feel like a little something. But no, this is like a big something. John Carter from 2012. Uh, the sci-fi movie that couldn't. Um, went through several development stages. And landed exactly on its face. But... I think it's still an entertaining movie. I think it's a legit thing. I don't know. What do you guys, how did you guys feel about John Carter? I was very entertained. I think I, I came in with low expectations. Um, but having just recently watched it throughout, um, it was pretty good. Uh, there were some things that I had some problems, problems with, but nothing too major. But uh, a good popcorn flick, in my opinion. Yeah, it's. I, I thought it was a. I thought it was a fun, sci-fi, movie. And. With, something, you know, I think with enough different, kind of elements about it to make it stand out on its own. Uh, I think the whole. Uh, living on Mars just in that time period of what was it the 18 or 1700s 1800s right after the Civil War right after the Civil War okay so yeah late 1800s and I would have so that idea of someone from that time period and this guy John Carter he's a retired vet and from that, yeah, so for someone from that era going into Mars, experiencing it, American, I thought that was an interesting premise. You know what I thought was interesting was that I was like, this guy's way too young to be a vet. But at the same time, it was the Civil War and they were drafting like 16 year olds. So, yeah, it kind of works. True. <laughs> so how old do you think his character was supposed to be? 25. Well, I was thinking, yeah, actually, you know what? I was thinking around 30. Yeah, I, think yeah. I, I was thinking like late 20s. What like, I whatever. thought was funny. <laughs> All right, what's that? Yeah, I was going to say, Michael, how old do you think he was? He was uh, a very seasoned uh, late 20s millennial. <laughs> yeah, that's very specific. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. You've seen some stuff. He's seen stuff and he knows how to deal with stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he was he fought for the Confederate Army. He was yeah, a Confederate he was a, Army captain. Captain he was a too. Yeah, I was surprised they put yep. that in because they, they legit said like, oh, we got Brian Cranston. Oh my gosh. I Wasn't that a surprise that in the movie? Yes. I, love I did not realize it was him before. Brian Cranston. Yeah, Brian Cranston was in the first. He was the army captain that was like, come on, Carter, we got to get you back in the game. He was uh, Colonel Powell, I believe. There you go. I was going to say, yeah, you know, I did recognize his name. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, Colonel Powell, a union colonel. Who, yeah, and he was trying to recruit John. Yeah, I, um, well, the interesting thing, though, too, is that some people, well, I guess if we want to get into it, is there were some people who did fight for the Confederate side that were more 
um, I guess they were, I guess, I guess you were for racism, I guess, anyway, right? But I know for some people it wasn't, I mean, it was families against families and uh, there was some, I guess what I'm trying to say is there was some, because uh, this guy was interesting. He was like, I, it cost me everything in the war and he, he didn't want to go back to war. He, he, you find out later at the end of the movie, pretty much that he lost his wife and daughter. Yeah. This movie is pretty close to Rambo. Rambo? You got a vet. It's a stretch. It's a stretch. Sure. <laughs> first blood? Who drew first blood? First blood? I mean, I'm talking about first blood, like where they drag him back into a war. He didn't want to fight. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. That's about it. At the onset, uh, right when the film began, I got the impression that it was uh, very close to Dune, um, especially with the opening opening narration and the color oh, yeah. palette. And okay. That okay. was my are, initial impression. Are you talking about like the original David Lynch Dune? No, I'm talking about the more recent uh okay. the, yeah the more more recent version which i loved there was an interjection by deja thoris or whatever her name is mm-hmm. where it's just her face talking at the camera yeah she's like for thousands of years this and this has happened this and that and actually i think i actually typed it down santhan offered to choose my father tardos mars the jedi of helium like, I don't mm. understand 50% of that sentence, first of all. Um, and then also she's talking directly at the camera, and that's how the first Dune, the 1984 oh, yeah. Dune, starts out, which is like somebody talking at you and telling you what the story is. The narrator. The narrator, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it felt like this was in the first 15 minutes, like after 15 minutes have passed and then somebody starts telling you what the story is and it's like, whoa. Oh. In Dune, in the original? In the original, it was at the beginning, but this felt like the story stopped and it was like, hang on, let me catch you up to speed. Okay, now we can go on. Oh, I... Oh. I thought it was at the beginning on this one. It was pretty close. Right. Oh, okay. What, what, what was the and opening it, scene? Do you... That was him being... Um, wasn't it him in the Civil War? I think before, they, they show the planet Mars and they do a short oh, they narration. Do a diagram. Yeah. And then uh, I think they jump right into the action, which is on the desert planet with the, uh, you know, the spaceships and, and the battle the battlefield so that's why i immediately thought oh this is like dune and so right. I, I was immediately i was hooked you know i thought the visual effects by the way too um because there's a lot of everything from mars pretty much is well they did they did have some really big sets so uh, movie sets but uh, a lot of the characters are computer generated and I was surprised at how closely they look to Disney's visual effects today. I was like, okay, yeah, this is... it's not that much of a leap. It's um, not. And this is 10 years old, over 10 years yeah, old, that, 2012. That was, that was yeah. something I noticed. Well, I mean, I could tell that this movie being one of the most expensive movies to make, it, yeah. looked, ama- it looked amazing with its uh, quality of visual effects and characters. Like, my goodness. Um, I was, I was hoping, um, so this is something I thought was funny with John Carter's, I, I know you guys were talking about the language a little bit too, it's just, that's where I was feeling the disconnect at, because I was thinking of Dune too, actually, um, the desert planet and the, uh, all the language, the language was like you know, it's this foreign alien language, and um, like, you're from helium. Well, you're from yeah. gypsy. 
Yeah, it's helium, and then there's uh, who's the other one? There's basum, right? That's the name of the planet. Oh, bar, yeah, barsum is barsum. Oh God. Yeah, with jarsum. Jarsum is Earth. That's right. When the uh, when the characters would mention helium, I, you know, I immediately thought, oh, it's like the spice for for Dune. And it took me a, a quick minute to realize that helium uh, was referring to one of the kingdoms that they were from. Yeah, yeah, because the, there's two kingdoms uh, fighting. There's the story is very dense because you got them fighting each other for because of the marriage. And then John Carter with the Tharks. So, yeah, do we want to lay out kind of the, um, a little uh, more to how this Confederate captain, retired Confederate captain ends up on Mars and what he has, what he goes through there. Um, As far as like an outline, I guess, of this, because... It is a lot. It's a lot of uh, kind of overlapping, overlapping over <laughs> Oprah. <laughs> it's a lot of Oprah in this movie. <laughs> a lot of Oprah. <laughs> a lot of overlapping narratives. Yeah, and uh, this movie is what? What is the runtime? Is it? It's a good two fifteen. Okay. Um. So yeah, this. The Southern American post-Civil War captain ends up on Mars because he, he, you know, it's interesting. There's this technology that from these, uh, they're kind of like these arbiters of the universe, I guess. Yeah, they're, they're just kind of orchestrating things the way they believe things should go. Therns. The, uh, they the call therns, them yeah. and they're they look like monks, like like yeah, they're pale just like monks in robes, and they they can shape shift and they can also transport themselves um, with the technology, and it's a little pendant basically each of them have that enables these different abilities, and so they shape shift through time through different worlds and. Uh, Earth is one of them, and Mars is another, and so they're they're also manipulating history, and just I guess just manipulating history in a way, right? Because they they there's like a little monologue that one of them gives. Yeah, where he says that they're they're merely acting out what's going to happen. Yeah, right. They are managing, uh, managing the events, not necessarily orchestrating anything. They're managing them, yeah. Yeah. And they all, according to them, they all come to dist- essentially dist- civilizations end up destroying themselves. Mm-hmm. And so John Carter, uh, well, they claim that to John Carter, at least they, one of them makes a claim that they're immortal. Um. But John Carter was able to kill one in, in a cave on Earth. And he that's how he got hold of one of their pendants and was he spoke the word Barsoom, which is what the Thern was saying before he died, and it transported John Carter to Mars. And it was interesting because the way that I thought it just took him to Mars, but the way that they explain it is that it actually made a copy of him like a they said it was like a telegraph right like like it was yeah. just that pendant or, left his body on earth his human body we can, we can get into that weird sci-fi shit yeah um, after um it, it's a, that it was is, a more it was a more sophisticated fax machine it's a very sophisticated <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Essentially, um, facts. So yeah, so that's how he ends up on Mars. Um, he's he's found by one of the this the species there. I believe they're called. What were they called? They're green and ugly. 
The Tharks? The Thark? That sounds like it. Because and... the leader was Tark Tarkus, Willem Dafoe. Oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> I caught I caught his voice right away. Right away. Yeah. yeah. And I actually also caught the other one, like the opposing one. Oh, is that the Thomas uh, Hayden Church? Yes, there you go. Yeah. Yes. I was I like, yes. Was... I didn't recognize him the first time I saw him, but this one and I was the... like, yeah, that's totally Thomas Hayden Church. And those are some of the best. Willem Dafoe is probably the best written character. Uh, yeah. Or one of the... Yeah, he's, one of the very best. He's my favorite part of the movie, I think. Um, and so he he's he stumbles upon John Carter first, and the cool thing is, is that John Carter can breathe on Mars. Um, and I thought that was neat. I mean, I don't know if it's because if it's the new body he has or what. I'm guessing that's why. But can I can I ask a question really quick though? Um, so as he's transported or when he's transported to Mars via the pendant, is this is this present day Mars or alternate reality Mars? I wasn't clear uh, on the timeline. I, I was thinking it was present day Mars. I was thinking it was in the context of of John Carter's uh, time period. Okay. I wasn't Ooh. sure if that was made clear in the movie. That's why I was wondering. Well, if there was a sequel, it would maybe I in my clarify mind, that. In my mind, it would it would be in present day Mars, which would be future Mars for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he uh, would have to like start over. What did you think, uh, uh, Blazada? So, uh, I I initially my impression was that it was an alternate reality of Mars uh, to ours. Uh, that maybe that he was transported, but it was just another dimension or multiverse version of the planet. I just, I didn't catch um, anything about the timeline within the initial uh, opening narration, but that's what I thought. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, so his, his physiology like allows him to have these abilities on Mars and the, uh, the aliens there take notice of it immediately. And so he's jumping like 10 stories high into the air. You see him having like a super strength. Um, and then also, so he's punching people like into walls and throwing huge rocks and breaking chains and things like that with his bare hands. So that was really interesting to see. And I wish we would have seen a little bit more of it because he's mostly jumping <laughs> in this movie. He's just mostly jumping from place to place. Uh, I felt yeah, like he's they, just like a grasshopper. Just, yeah, they and literally don't say shatter. Like, What's that? I was going to say they literally say like, can you get me from here to there? And I was like, I hadn't seen it in a while. So I was like, <laughs> oh, he's going to have to jump across a bunch of rooftops. And he does. He jumps from here to there. It's like twenty-five miles. Yeah, that's that's the what I just mentioned is that his knees miraculously don't shatter um, each time he lands from rock yeah. to rock. <laughs> he has a he has a pillow beneath his feet. They they kind of they explain uh, it away as saying that his bone density is is stronger and thicker than oh that's because of being on Earth. Yeah. That was an explanation that they gave. I believe it was a Thern who said that. Um, so, so then he ends up stumbling upon uh, a couple other the the Red Martians. And I didn't realize they were Red Martians, but the more I look into this, yeah, they're supposed to be. No wonder they had a funny hue to them. Yeah, they were awfully, uh, awfully bronze. And I yeah, just thought it was very... a choice of the of the makeup team to make them especially red. I didn't notice. <laughs> I didn't notice until somebody said, "You can save your red princess," and I was like, "Oh, right. she is kind of red." <laughs> oh, so so oh. These, so the ones that he comes across first, right? Are the isn't it the Zodanga? 
Oh, the, it's it's a it's a conflict that he he comes into. Right, it's between helium and Zodanga, and Zodanga, it's, the princess. That's, that's like the main planet deciding factor. So are they not? Uh, are they not competing kingdoms then with uh, for that uh, territory, helium and Zodanga, or am I mistaken? They're they, trying to take over helium. They're they're the oh, two okay. major cities, two mm. of the major cities of the Red Martians. Yeah. Helium is the last bastion of uh, free will, I think. Gotcha. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. It's Zozanga that the Sabthan, Sabthan. forgettable name. Are, very, are very forgettable. <laughs> Instead of, uh, what's the other guy? Cal Kotan, Jotal Gaban. Oh, Chris Katan. Chris Katan. I believe you, even if that was <laughs> a joke or wrong. Because <laughs> there's so person. many. Yeah, like I, I'm looking at a few names here just on Wikipedia. There's Dix, there's Sarkoja, there's Kantos Khan, Tardos Moors, oh, Matai yeah. Shang, mm. Sola. So many, yeah, many different species and, and races and whatnot. Um, so I, I found that hard, like, to follow things because I couldn't remember anyone's name, you know. I couldn't remember. I was just like that guy with the thing. Um, Deja, I think, which is the princess, um, right, of helium. She's the one I think I, I caught on to. But a lot of the other ones, some of them even look the same. I don't know if you you guys thought that as well. Like they're like uh, short. Yeah. Short-haired, black-haired, white guys. There you go. Right. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't distinguish between them. The one guy that freed him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, so I like, thought. I thought he was the villain. Me too. <laughs> so it was Dominic was... West who was the villain, Sabthan, and then the guy we're talking about, who's like the right hand of the king of Helium, James Purifoy. He's oh yes, yeah. he was in Resident yeah, he was in Resident Evil. And yeah, they, those two guys looked the same, and it was just yeah, I got confused. And they also looked like Thomas Jane a little bit. Right, yeah, that's that's who I couldn't place, but I thought, yeah, that's a very similar look. So I, um well go ahead, Mike. No, I was I was just going to backtrack a little bit and and mention how much I loved seeing Brian Cranston in that in that role as the uh, as the <laughs> Colonel. I I, the I especially chuckled. Colonel. Yeah, I, I kept chuckling when when Carter kept trying to escape over and over, and they finally had to great. throw him in a cell. Doesn't okay, that feel like <laughs> that feels like a different movie? It does. Actually, I mean, I, 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 would, I, was I telling... would have liked to see a little bit more of the western in the movie to. Uh, continue that part of the story just because it was it was entertaining in its own right. Me too. Yeah, I, same here. I was telling Mike, man, you know what have been even like more appealing. I think is um, even visually uh, because with the wardrobe, the wardrobe wasn't all that great uh, for John Carter at all. It was very just kind of there. Well, they did kind of explain it away because they were like you're a you're a thark you killed the thark here's here's a thark and they give him a thark and it's like a cross cross-chested thing like a he-man thing yeah yeah left very exactly the imagination but i was like okay with that because he's kind of he was kind of built for that role at least, you know, he had. He, he was, though. I mean, he didn't. Yeah, he had the physique. He had the physique, yeah. Um, But what I was thinking would be would have been cool is if like it was more in the direction of a Western in the in the Westernish in 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 Mars. Right. Because it is basically a Western. Right. Um, And then so you so 
this is a thing with his look too. Like, so at this time, like everyone, like the rock band thing was going right. Like everyone had that rocker kind of look. It's like this is this is coming to the end of it, in 2012, that era. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking, man, like, bunch, like if he had, you know, just a little shorter hair, um, and you know, maybe had a hat, right, and his overcoat. What if, what if he carried with him? I mean, what if he had equipped the, uh, a nice, lush beard? That would have given oh. him more, you know, a gruffy, uh, grizzled look, more suitable for the West or for the terrain of the, of the Martian planet. Yeah, I, I would, I, I can go in that direction too. And then the shorter hair to go with it, right? Like on top. Because I felt like the longer hair was like he's he's like the front man to a rock band you know <laughs> look yeah that's a, that. <laughs> during i was just like you gotta toss it over your shoulder it's not efficient yeah i got i got that vibe and um it seemed to take it out of that time period too like uh break the the immersion there for me um because even when he did the in the flashbacks i don't know if he was working on another movie at this time but even in the flashbacks with his wife like he still had that long hair too so um, it was shorter it was way shorter it was way shorter yeah oh okay okay i guess i'm remembering it differently but those were probably like you said like reshoots um okay but yeah i i i think that would have just helped visually and then his wardrobe i I think it uh just something a little more visually um popping you know that that makes you want to pay attention um yeah but it at the same time it has to make sense like yeah, why, like why is he thrust into the environment and then they're dressing him up at the same time? So he he becomes part of the fight uh, for the native people um, of this kingdom or or this part of the planet, right? He, so when I when right. I started seeing that you know he became involved in the battles or challenges, I thought, oh, okay, this is you know, very similar to movies we've seen such as Avatar or Dances with Wolves from the 90s. That same narrative of of mm-hmm. becoming slowly accepted and then one with the Native people who have their own battle, you know, to fight. And so, and and all of them, the Tharks want him to fight for them, uh, to kill the some of the Red Mar- to kill the Red Martians, all of yeah. them basically. And then Helium, the Princess Deja, wants him to fight for her kingdom and he doesn't want to fight he's still in that mindset of the the civil war and that brings us that brings us to the weird conclusion where he fights all the tharks and he kills a bunch of them he's not quite a war hero at that point is he are you talking about the end of the movie or yeah, the, the end. Film. The end of the movie. Yeah, where um he he escapes the Tharks because him and Deja get captured by the Tharks, um, and they're like exploring and they desecrate one of their um, holy places and and yeah, he has to fight. It's punishable. So, yeah, it's, it's punishable. punishable by death, and and so. They they're able to escape that and and they they're they're in search of a of a of an artifact right on Mars and and that's when all these Tharks have found them uh, they went chasing after him and found him and and in order to protect the princess and his friends he just grabs two swords and he's just like chopping away at all these Tharks yeah I was that, that was pretty crazy that was cool. The- I was thinking about what the choreography was because he was obviously against a a green screen 
Right. Maybe a bunch of uh, stunt people with, you know, wearing entirely green, just kind of plain. Just like uh, ducked out of sight. Right. Sure. Okay. So let's, let's process this, right? So he's fighting against the thugs, but ultimately, I mean, they, they band together with the red people uh, against the Thern. Am I right? Or is that, are we missing something there? So, so the Therns are a, they believe them to be, um, so all, all of the societies on Mars, like, they don't know if Therns are real, but they believe them to be some kind of spiritual, um, uh, what's it called? Like a spiritual guide or spiritual mm-hmm. um, being that, that is there, but they don't know is there kind of thing. And so um, it's all by faith. But yeah, they end up, they do end up, um, John Carter reveals that they are real. And his friends, so the princess, the, oh, and the princess from the Tharks too, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, they're friends with him. And, and so in the, in this journey, they find out that the Therns are real and and so they're in turn like their societies, yeah, they end up turning against the therns. And so that's like a um they end up fighting the therns, but yeah, it's that's kind of like the side battle that no one knows is going on. It sounds like a bunch of bullshit to me. <laughs> I love seeing uh Mark Strong in that role. Um, oh, Mark Strong good. is always Mark Strong is always great. He played Sinestro. Yeah, and he should always play Sinestro. I think. I'd like to see him as a Lex Luthor. I mean, ooh, he has yeah. he has to look for it. Definitely. But Mark Strong as the um, Tars Tokel Chakathon. Mm-hmm. No, it's interesting learning about the novel that this movie was inspired by. Um, and man, this novel's old, dude. This novel's from 1912. Yeah, I, I read that they that they tried many times to get it off the ground from the 1930s until the, the 80s, and it just it never never really came to fruition until uh, Mr. Stanton, the director, really pushed for. Uh, for the rights to go from the main author's estate to to Disney, and he was really behind getting this going and and crafting this story and trying to make it contemporary for a lot of audiences. But but what happened? Because I I I I don't know too much about the movie beforehand, but I just know it just it didn't do very well whatsoever. What do you guys think? Yeah, so it's based off of. Um... The, the movie itself in the in in theaters stuff mm-hmm. right. yeah it, it didn't do very well it, it just went over the so the budget was 306 point uh, six million gross and the box office brought home 284.1 million oh that's just shy of uh that's actually that's that's way under <laughs> yeah it's pretty <laughs> under um, yeah, I understand because you can't just call a movie John Carter. It's gotta have. Yeah, gotta that's have what something. I was thinking too. I don't think that was a good name for it. No, <sighs> it's not. There's nothing like, and they just really they were feeling about hard. that. They were trying too hard. I think they could have gone with like a different title entirely, and they were going towards making a new star Wars franchise um, or just like a general fantasy franchise. Um, Like it failed because they didn't know how to market it. So what other, like what I think at toward the end of the movie, it was revealed that or it finished with John Carter of Mars. And I thought, you know, that could have been the suitable replacement for the name of the movie. Mm. I think that gives it some camp value. 
it kind of it, it, it is better. Yeah. Um, it had a lot to compete with in that year too, dude. Man, I'm seeing a lot of pretty good movies. I mean, and that, it came out in February of 2012. I mean, I'm just seeing a bunch of movies that came out that year. Uh, the first Avengers movie, uh, the the first Hobbit. Never seen it. Hunger Games. Uh, the first one, Dark Knight Rises. Uh, those are just a few, but I'm, there's a lot. Jack Reacher, Amazing Spider-Man. I don't, uh, I don't personally remember seeing uh, like too much of an impactful trailer back then, um, which is why I'm guessing it flew under the radar for me. What yeah, I mean, and then Twilight Saga Part Two came out that year. Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff. It's probably it's probably just lost too, especially trailer wise. Um, I, I remember seeing the trailer and thinking, oh, okay, that looks interesting. And never making it out to see it. Yeah, it never like bounced back. Like you see the trailer again. They do right. That, seeing like, another movie, you know? Yeah. Yes. And it's like, oh, yeah, that movie. <laughs> and it, yeah, it not having that enough to grab me enough to, to go and watch it. Yeah. It's, it was I, I mean, it had a lot going for it. And I, I could see the potential for sequels, you know, had it done a lot better. Um, I think they did a really good job of throwing in levity and some comedic bits here and there. Yeah. You know, and at the end, I really enjoyed it. I especially liked, I don't know what I wanted to get uh, the thoughts of both of you, but the ending where, you know, it's, it's him on the balcony and he's, you know, he's found his peace on planet Mars now or Barsoom and he throws away his, his pendant over the edge and you know i think that that could be the, the end of the movie and then we're taking back quickly to uh to earth when um somebody when he's him. yeah i mean he's he's taken back to earth because what's the main the villain's name i keep forgetting mark strong um something con okay it's con. uh i have it right here hold on camo con or is it Sabthan. There Sab you go. Sab and he's taken, he's taken back or he's thrown back to Earth for, what, 10 years, I believe. Yes. Uh, trying to search for his way back. And I thought it was a really neat twist that, you know, he faked his death with that potion. And his nephew is the one who unlocks him. And he's about, his nephew is about to be killed by the villain and then John Carter pops out from right behind him and shoots him in the back. And then <laughs> he, he, he's now given his chance to go back. And I thought, you know, that was a, a good choice to um, just differ from other traditional endings of a movie like this. What about y'all? Me too. I, 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 again, it brought in that, that old post-Civil War time period feel into the movie again. And, and it was nice. It was really refreshing. And um, there was some thing understandable, too, about that, like, that I felt was familiar enough for me to, like, I could follow that. And I liked, I, li I liked it. I liked it a lot. And I, it, and it's so, yeah, it, I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, yeah, I wish they would have kept some of that when they went to Mars, you know? Like, I wish they would have held on to a little more of that era so you don't just think this guy is... Because um, I feel like that gave him the most identity, you know? True. Um, and when he was in Mars, he almost... It's like... John Carter 
that's one of the thing he things he lacks is like there's almost nothing to hold on to as far as him as a character and that makes him even interesting you know when he's in mars and uh even his powers you know it just it just didn't it didn't get to that level where he's like oh yeah like john carter um no it's all utilitarian i would have liked to have seen uh maybe a little bit more time uh when he's returned back to earth um him him having to reconcile with not having those martian powers anymore and yeah like back to earth yeah like he's got a girl on his arm and he's like hey let's go to the movies and he tries to jump off and it's just like <laughs> ugh. <laughs> ugh. <laughs> uh, well let's take a cab <laughs> or a horse or a horse and buggy yeah or an uber <laughs> either one or, or an uber horse have you, guys, back uh, Uber. have you guys tried that yet? The Uber horse? <laughs> it's not as it's not as great as it seems. It's um it's really bumpy. It smells like shit. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, it does. Do we know if if in this uh travel back and forth, if any time has passed um whatsoever, all uh maybe if it's been ten years there or if time's the same each time that he goes. <laughs> oh yeah, so if you remember when he does go back to earth years have passed oh uh i don't remember how long but it was long enough for that colonel powell's uh uh, skin and everything had rotted away you just see his skull skull and bones oh i missed that right yeah yeah at least least in a week unless the terrible (laughs) horrible native (laughs) americans uh, cannibals, cannibal, horrible, horrible brown, red people <laughs> came and ate his skin, skinned him down to that Thomas Hayden church bones. So, what do you, um, what do you, what do you think could have helped the movie been more successful aside from maybe um, how it was marketed? I think the arc direction of the movie was pretty stale. Okay. So I think some more landscapes, like a Star Wars kind of, like you know how Star Wars, every like 20 minutes, there's a transition to a new planet. That's true, yeah. And it changes the, it changes the background of the characters, the setting. It, I, this felt like a long brown and red trudge through southern Arizona or something. And I think changing the, up the setting here and there, like maybe there's an oasis or something on Mars. Or maybe they venture off planet to a neighboring planet. Or they go to another planet entirely, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that would have been explored in the sequels had they continued it. You know, the expanding universe of this of this universe. What about you, you Johnny? The JCEU. Yeah, the JCU. The John Carter expanded universe. Um. No, I agree with you guys. I mean, uh, I'm pretty much there. Uh, I think also, I I mean, it's such an old book too. And it's it's it is a classic, so it's kind of hard to to um, what's it called? I mean, it's inspired. It's inspired. Um, what's it called? Uh, Ray Bradbury's uh, novels, and it's. I was reading here inspired um, Avatar, James Cameron, um, and it seems to be one of like the OGs, you know, for these kind of science fiction and actually in Wikipedia, it says that it's, it's, it's a class, it's considered a classic example of uh, 20th century pulp fiction. Yeah. Um, So pulp fiction, I I don't really, I mean, I like the movie pulp fiction, but I guess I never really looked up what it means. Um, 
but here on Wikipedia it says that it's in reference to run-of-the-mill low-quality literature. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, I don't know if you'd agree with that, Mike. Maybe you can give us a better like definition. I mean, I never... Oh, you go ahead, Mike. No, go ahead. <laughs> you go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> so, I mean... <laughs> so, I'm guessing it's just basically like uh, kind of like off the cuff, basically. Um, uh, stories, because it, it can go into all kinds of genres, pulp fiction. So I guess it's just kind of like off the cuff, uh, out of the top of your head, imagination kind of um, science fiction story, I guess. I don't know. Would you agree with that? Yeah, Mike? I, I I feel like I've seen what I I the the narrative the story of of an outsider coming in and being embraced by the native people of of a race or of a planet or or society and then joining forces and then you know taking up their battle and helping them overcome a, a more formidable villain i feel like i've seen that in a lot of different types of movies and films and um it's not bad per se i just i feel like it's it's been done many many times and mm. I'm not sure if, if this factored into the movie not doing so well, or maybe if it was just strictly the marketing, or as you mentioned earlier, Johnny, just the, the number of films that it had to compete with. Yeah. Uh, you know, and even in that regard, I think, I think, I think Disney was the wrong choice then for this movie. Um, now that I... I learned more, learned more about the actual book, which is The Princess of Mars. Sorry if we haven't said that yet, but uh, yeah, it's and that's the book that this movie's based on. And I think it would have been better under a different studio, a more um, adult-oriented studio, as opposed to like family-friendly and kids. I mean, you would think because of Frank Frazetta's paintings of a lot of Edgar Rice Burroughs' stuff. They did kind of... I mean, she was well, pretty skimpy throughout the movie, right? But not really. Not really. I mean, she was... Well, not horribly. No, I wouldn't even say really skimpy. I mean, you didn't... I, I think... I mean, because look, Princess Leia versus this Princess Deja. Princess mm. Leia was in more provocative... Well, that in, in this 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 woman in one half of one movie, Princess Leia was skimpy. I think her original getup was quite skimpy, quite quite sexy. That's just me. She was in with a the buns. Yeah, with the buns. That's uh, that's all it takes. <laughs> it's the buns. It's the buns for what it is. Mike Blazada. Well, that's right, folks. <laughs> He's a bunny. Um, okay, I mean, maybe that's not a good example because I mean, yeah, Princess Leia, but but that, but she, what I'm saying is, this princess never got that skimpy. It never went to that level. So yeah. Um, but you look at the director. The director, uh, he co-directed Bugs Life. He directed Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, Wally, -E, and all before he directed John Carter and he co-wrote for Toy Story and Monsters Inc. So this is not the mm, guy okay. you want yeah. directing a movie a story like this. That makes sense. Sure. Andrew Stanton is his name. Mm -hmm. Uh yeah, that was that was a bad choice on Disney's part. I feel like you I've give, seen like um, let's I've... say you you gave this to a director like James Cameron. You know? It would have been four movies long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you would have had probably some more like live um, or like animatronics, you know? Yeah, something something live. Because there was a few moments where Willem Dafoe's character is talking to Taylor Kitsch and I'm like, 
I know what he's saying means something, and I can take that at least from the voice performance. But the the cartoon talking to me is like Jesus. Yeah, that you bring up a good point. Um, I mean, I would have liked the movie a little better had I seen these actors in prosthetics or in makeup. Oh, absolutely. Just, Same. I, it just it lowered the the stakes for me. Um, just yeah. the animation. It's a bunch of cartoons. Sure. Tunes. The big the it was a pretty cool battle. There was some there was some good ones. Um some good action scenes uh with those big monkey like uh four four or I guess six legged oh the the white ape forearm white ape yeah oh yeah battle scenes that was pretty cool the music I thought it was... uh the music and and the score um I really enjoyed I mean it was uh it it kept up with the uh the type of action and and the battle scenes that you would see and I I liked it so much that I you know when I watched the credits I was looking out for the composer and it was uh is it Michael Giacchino I don't know if I'm pronouncing yes. his name right but he yes, scored he's... <laughs> uh the the Batman by the more recent Batman Oh, okay. He not only oh. scored the Batman, but he also did Werewolf by Night. I don't know if y'all watched it. Oh, okay. I haven't. He, he directed no. and did the score. Cool. Nice. Oh, he's done some... Oh, he did... Doctor Strange. Uh, he did some old, like, 90s uh, video game movie, uh, video game music, too, for The Lion King, uh, Jurassic Park, Lost World. That's cool. Right. Small soldiers for PS One. Oh, dude, he did a bunch of the movie. I mean, music for Medal of Honor, the Medal of Honor series. I don't know if y'all remember those. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. I think in um, as you mentioned, Johnny, because the movie was so, I guess, tailored towards a family-friendly market. Um, <laughs> I mean, I saw a lot of opportunities for the villains to have maybe more meaningful depth. They were vanquished a little too quickly for me. Um, almost in an instant, we had the uh, the star who Thomas Hayden Church was voicing. He vanished pretty quickly. And then also um, the main third and then the, the uh, dishonorable prince who was trying to marry uh, Deja. They all kind of vanished quite kind of quickly for me and their yeah. death really didn't have any any major resonance right it was slightly uh, anticlimactic there you go and it was hard to find in this world of <coughs> and you know especially among the red martian species uh, it was hard to find some defining uh features and even armor and things like that. They, they did have some pretty cool armor for each of them, but it was still kind of hard to, uh, unless it was like right up on the camera, the camera was right up on the armor and stuff. It was still kind of, it was hard to, it just, it just meshed together. It all kind of blurred together. Um, and that's what I found that's kind of hard with these. I, I gotta say it's difficult even in other movies based with mars like they go for this aesthetic that and i think of dune um it just gets all very kind of bland and it, it all just everything about it just feels uh monotonous i guess um i don't know if y'all get what i'm saying but um i haven't seen the new dune by the way so i'm not sure i'm not really talking about that one but i'm talking about the old one no, it um, did feel very old Dune, and it did wear, I will say, at least the landscape wore out its welcome pretty fairly on. Yeah, I wish there was something, um, again, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing, and, you know, obviously these authors had, you know, enough uh, kind of like... Uh, 
of an inspiration. They had an inspiration from this planet. And you'd think that visually it would show a little more um, to convey the, the awe and the inspiration that, you know, obviously these writers are. That they're drawing from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it felt a lot like Southern California kind of. <laughs> like Mojave Desert. Mojave Desert, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was some really nice landscapes, but um, overall, it just felt like kind of lazy. And to set every scene during that same sunset, kind of cut the drama a little bit. Yeah, I see. Sure. I, see. Mm-hmm. I mean, it. I mean, it did look impressive when you consider the age of the movie, um, just the amount of effects and the quality of the effects, especially when. Uh, we would see the transitions between characters uh, when they would shapeshift. I thought it was pretty dang flawless uh, for its time, but my goodness, it did it did look very expensive. Uh, yeah, that's true. Kind of like, it, I wouldn't be surprised if it was right, especially for this time. The the, uh, the facial expressions on Tars Tarkas. <laughs> Who the hell's that? <laughs> yeah. Is that Willem Dafoe's character? Yes. Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> How do they? Okay, so they just they spoke English halfway through, right? We we didn't get an explanation for how they. Oh yeah. So what that was is, if you remember, Tars Tarkas's daughter, a bastard child, I guess. Um, uh-huh. She was in charge of feeding the new little Tharks. And so she fed them this water, this liquid substance, and she fed it to John Carter. And that's how he, he was starting to understand them. And gotcha. Okay. And also then he was able to speak to them too. Got it. I liked it. I, I, it was entertaining for sure. And I think that there are a couple of things that I was nitpicking, but I, I liked it overall, especially the ending really sealed it in for me. Yeah, overall, I liked it too. I, like you, um, I wanted, I mean, at the end there, it, 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 it really closed it, you know, pretty well and, and set it up for the sequel, which was, it got me excited for, to see what else they would do with it. And sadly, yeah, I don't think we're going to, yeah, we didn't get that sequel. It's not coming. Mike, did you, uh, what do you think of the actress who played Deja Thoris? I thought she she could make a suitable Wonder Woman. I think Mike stepped away for a second. Oh, well, Johnny, what do you think about her look and her performance? Oh, yeah. I mean, she did great. I thought she was one of the better actors, too, actually. Um, I thought she, yeah, she was right up there, dude. Um, she made it all believable. And uh, as a Wonder Woman... I, I mean now, yeah, she could definitely pull it off. No, I like. <laughs> Welcome back, Mike. Gal Gadot, or there's nothing to be sought. <laughs> Goodness, I, I, I mean, I know that they are fielding replacements at this point. Um, I still love Gal Gadot whether she's in the role or not um, the same for Mr. Cavill in whatever movie they end up um, landing, I'll be supporters of them because they, they are part of my, uh, my heart as a DC fan. They keep naming all these replacements for Henry Cavill. And I'm like, but they look just like Henry Cavill. (laughs) Henry Cavill light. What are your thoughts on the recent, uh, Kerfuffle, Johnny. Well, not kerfuffle, uh, but development. Um, you have to update me on it, man. I, I stopped following after after I heard that Cavill was out officially. Pretty much, I stopped after that. Anything? So Mike, oh, go ahead. Yeah, is it a Mike? Is it a, a blanket reboot, or just are they incorporating what they have already? What do you think? Um, 
James Gunn officially said that his Superman casting has nothing to do with what is rumored. And because of that, like, I think everything else goes out the window. Like, he's kind of saying, like, don't pay attention to the rumors. Mm. So I'm, I'm, uh, it would just be really weird for DC to start a big slate with an A-list hero and then follow it up with a bunch of like weird like how he's hinted at he wants to do Dead Man. Yeah. yeah. My understanding is that he has this grand plan uh, with a lot of moving components and he is his um, he, he keeps trying to assuade or, or let the fans or followers know that it'll work out for the best in terms of his storytelling plans between him and Peter and um, just basically trying to, uh, from what I, what I gather anyway, just try to wipe away any remnants of the Snyderverse and um, start anew. Um, but just going back, if we were thinking about who could be a suitable, at least physically replacement for a Wonder Woman character, I think Mr. Deja Thoris or the actress who portrayed her or someone with that similar look could do just fine. Um, but going back to the to the movie, I think she was she gave a pretty decent performance, and I especially liked her her silent little. Um, uh, I think she mentioned or she said, uh, "I am alone." When John Carter had disappeared for an instant, and I thought that was a little heartbreaking, but she sold it. Yeah, uh, she she did great. She did excellent, and. She really brought that character to life. Um, I I don't think they'll bring someone mature like her on. I think they're going to bring, from what I did read and from uh, James Gunn's posts and stuff uh, on Twitter and where he likes to, I guess, talk about his future plans for DC is, uh, I know for Superman, he wants to start him young as a teenager. He said he wants, he doesn't want some, and that's why he didn't want Cavill. That's awfully um, young to go teenager route, but. Yeah. You know, that, that leaves a lot of room for a lot of storytelling if he plans to, you know, lay out a 10 year plan. Yeah. And so, I mean, he's coming from Marvel too. And he, he's bringing that experience and, just being part of that whole thing that Marvel with Disney has done. Um, it's so funny. It's interesting to think that for a hot minute, he was, you know, exiled entirely because of the, the Twitter scandal that he was involved in. And now he's, you know, leading this, um, you know, movement to revitalize DC when he was just not too recently, um, you know, left to, to ruin Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know he was involved in anything. Mike, do you remember what he what he had mentioned or said online that got him in, in hot water? Um, he hadn't they haven't said, but it was like very offensive. Hmm. Um Well then it's probably not offensive if he if they don't say what it is. <laughs> I yeah, feel like because Disney just flat out like crushed him. Mm-hmm. And that wow! Was, Dang, I didn't know that happened. When when was this recently? In the last year, twenty twenty one. Wow! No, it must have been before that. Maybe twenty twenty. I'm not exactly sure, but yeah, he was uh not wow. someone who people wanted to work with, but they um they welcomed him back. I think at at some point, and now he's here leading the the DC movement. Hmm. Yeah. What I like about him so far is that he seems to, I mean, I remember he was sticking up for Chris uh, Pratt when they were trying to cancel him over just a church he goes to uh, from when I remember, <laughs> mm-hmm. like it was this big thing. It's just like, Oh, he goes to this church cancel. Don't like he does. He, he shouldn't be in the next guardians movie or, or something like that. It's just like, what? cancel him. And, and James Gunn actually stood up for him and 
he's like, you don't need to back off this guy. He's just because he goes to this church doesn't mean, you know, what you're saying about him is true. And um, he's a really good guy. And I'm not taking him off my movie just because of you guys, basically. And yeah. So that was cool. I was like, yeah, good, man. Good on you. And hopefully, so hopefully that means that he's going to cast some, you, you know, he's going to make these characters out pretty good. Because what it was very hard, and I know we're talking about Wonder Woman, it's very hard to find someone, a woman who, a, actress who's strong, who come, you know, who can be very, come on very strong, but also come on very graceful. Very true. And, yeah. And so, you, you know, what I've been seeing, um, especially in the uh, Marvel shows, is you find one that's just too strong, or like they're just all strong. And then, you know, and no grace. And and it's hard for them to, to even dip into the graceful side of things. And um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't want a Wonder Woman, like with Wonder Woman, I feel like she's so perfect, you know, like she, you have to, she's like, you have to dip into both, like pretty often to, uh, with her, with that character. So John Carter, I, uh, I'd recommend, I'd recommend to, uh, I guess, for a good uh, admirer of uh, big blockbuster popcorn flicks, I, I would give it one of my personal thumbs up. Yeah, I would say it's worth a watch um, if you're into, especially if you like things like Valerian, um, if you like that movie. Um, there's another one I was thinking of too. Uh, um, oh, what's an, But I don't know. That's that's the main one that I think of. If you're a fan of Valerian mm -hmm. and the like, uh, I think you're going to find a lot to enjoy in this movie. And Yeah, it's uh, just a, a self-contained sci-fi film. And there, and that one was based off of a novel, or well, not a novel, but comic books, <laughs> which is similar to Pulp Fiction. So yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh, thank you, Mike, for being here. Always a pleasure. Thank you guys for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah, man, it's been good. I always enjoy uh, hearing your thoughts and whatnots. It's been pretty good. All right, so now we need to start a petition for John Carter 2. <laughs>